Slenderman, Slenderman, sometimes hums a lonely drone. Slenderman, Slenderman, he will wander around your home. Slenderman, Slenderman, blends in well within the trees. Slenderman, Slenderman, in the fog he's hard to see. Slenderman, Slenderman, dressed in his darkest suit and tie. Slenderman, Slenderman, you most certainly will die. The ending of the Slenderman song. File and Vice contains graphic and or explicit content, which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome to Violent Vice, episode 52. My name is Audie Griffith. And I'm John John. Hello. Hello. If you guys could do us a favor, hit that subscribe button, give us a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. And um, I guess a slight announcement. We do have pins in stock. So if you check our uh, violentvice.bigcartel.com, you'll see those up here shortly. Um, I'll post a picture of those. We do have stickers, sweatshirts, t-shirts, and all that jazz. Yep, and tank tops, all that jazz up there. Um, I did switch out the tank top photo with a t-shirt photo because I got one of those in, and it looked a little bit nicer on the uh, background than the tank top did, but we still have tank tops available too so well you did have that lovely photo shoot of both you and matt wearing them so that that's always nice yeah and if you want to see them on people i guess check out our facebook or instagram they're up there so Mm -hmm. yeah and also patreon i posted kind of a link to our patreon where we have john john's cryptic corner and we have a couple episodes of that up now by the time that this releases so if you guys subscribe to patreon for one dollar or more per month you guys will have unlimited access to all those episodes there is a theme song there is a theme song done by our lovely annabelle Rivac, who did our music for the intro for this podcast and everything too so uh go check that out and again you can uh listen or get access to those for one dollar a month or more uh the more you get the board benefits you have and everything so yeah and it's more of like a hangout informative tiny blurb or these are more of just like we're going into some deep dives here on this episode where i'm more just saying like hey check out this weird thing i found yeah um and we have some contests up there and we also have our older patreon content like our black eyed kids episode uh expander as well as a few other things yeah, Why that bring it up. That was way back in episode three, I think. So that was a while ago. Scarred me for life. That was a scary night. <laughs> I you know this, and I told you about it, but it was like a creepy night in general. And then I heard those stories. Yeah, I I was pretty oh. sure it was thunderstorming when we recorded that. It was. I, it was just unsettled was the theme of the night for me i didn't like that <laughs> yeah it was a, it, it was a good night creepy night a lot creepier than the slender man movie which we talked about last episode <laughs> mm-hmm. it was, turned out to be more of a disappointment than we were hoping yeah, so if you guys, uh, or I guess speaking of which, if you guys haven't listened to last week's episode or the bonus episode of Fireside Tales, I'd highly recommend it before we get into today's tale, because you're not going to really understand what we're talking about, uh, the monster I, that we allude to in this episode without listening to that first. So most of our episodes are standalone, but for this one, at least listen to episode 51, if not the bonus episode. Just unless you're already aware of Slender Man in general. Yeah. So as you know, John John said, we are covering Slender Man and specifically we are covering the Slender Man murders or attempted murders. More like it. But yeah. Mm-hmm. This is where it got real. This is where it got real. So when did it get real? It got real for us on May 31st, 2014 in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Ooh. Yeah, 
That is one of the more, like, fun Wisconsin names to say, though. Yeah, Waukesha. If you ever want to have a who, who uh, have non-Wisconsinites pronounce Wisconsin town names, mm-hmm. the first time I did that with Matt, I just about died laughing. It was hilarious. It's so funny, like, because you just hear them and they become normal to you, but then to somebody who hasn't seen them before, it's just like, yeah, of course that's what they would think it is, but boy, is that wrong. Yeah, a couple other fun ones are like Manitowoc and Wausau and even Chippewa. Some people can't say, but yeah. Oh, Menominee's always fun. Yeah. And that one said. But yeah, Waukesha, my my second favorite is Sheboygan. Oh yeah, Sheboygan. I lived there for a summer. That was fun. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But this happened in Waukesha. Yep, but this did happen in Waukesha, Wisconsin. So kind of who are the characters that we're going to talk about? So our victim is Peyton Lutner. She was 12 at the time, and she was very social. She liked cats and Harry Potter. And Peyton met our assailant, Morgan, when she was in kindergarten, and they were best friends by age 9 and 10. And then Morgan and the other assailant, Anissa, bonded when they were about age 11. So Morgan, kind of our main antagonist, so to speak, she had a father that had schizophrenia. This means that she had a higher risk growing up of having schizophrenia herself. And she began exhibiting symptoms before the murder. She told her parents, but they attributed it to changes for the stage of her life. So like periods and, um, hormonal puberty stuff. Yeah. But knowing that it is genetically passed on to should have kind of clued them in that maybe this could be something. Yeah, I, I, they they should have paid a bit more attention to it because she was having hallucinations and everything. Like I said before, she did tell her parents, but they attributed uh, the changes to puberty. And eventually she began to conceal her hallucinations because she was worried her parents would want to make them go away. She got close to her hallucinations. And again, this could be really hard to diagnose in children. Anissa Weir, who's the other girl, the other, other assailant, she was kind of more of a loner, and her parents had divorced a year before the attacks, so she kind of clung on to Morgan. And again, at the time, all of these girls were 12 years old. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. This seems like it's just like, it's not going to be just one thing that caused this. This is more of just like, Sort of like how gunpowder works. Like, each of the things is not explosive on their own, but you put it all together and suddenly it's it's extremely dangerous. Yeah, yeah. So, now you may be wondering, how does Slender Man fit into this trio of people? So, Anissa introduced Morgan to Slender Man in December of 2013. She learned about him on Minecraft initially, and... She eventually made her way to the creepypasta stories because of the nature of the storytelling of Slenderman, but she had understood him to be real, or at least that's what they claimed. Over the next few months, Anissa and Morgan then planned to kill a friend in order to become Slenderman's proxies. Basically, they wanted to become his servants and prevent him from killing their families, again, because okay. they they claimed to believe that he was real. So it's... Because it was on the internet and, like, a lot of those stories make it so that it's supposed to, like, represent, like, possibly this could happen to you. It's a real thing. So because they saw those, like, photoshopped and edited possibly real-life pictures and then also the stories being written in a way that is to make it sound like it's real, they might have been confused that this was actually really occurring and these are real stories and stuff like that? Here's the thing. They are around 12 years old, so I can understand, like, a 10-year-old thinking, like, something like that is real, but 12's kind of to the age, at least for myself, Mm -hmm. and again, everyone's different, that they should have had a bit more common sense than that, but if they're underdeveloped, like, I I can understand that, I guess. Mm -hmm. They're right at the precipice of knowing better i guess so again they're kind of at least in my opinion right at the precipice of where they should have known better but i think the fact that it was like deliberately faked to make it seem real 
and they're at that precipice and the fact that it was the internet before fact checking was like a real thing yet well this was like fact checking like this was my freshman year in college um like it wasn't as in depth like on facebook and very public stuff i don't think it was made clear yet i more offshoot sites i think I think it was, but again, this just gets into their age of, like, they should have known better, but are kind of right at that age where maybe they didn't. Anywho, uh, Anissa and Morgan did believe that Slenderman lived in a mansion in Nicollet National Forest in Wisconsin. Thus, they kind of planned to kill their friend as they walked to this mansion. So it was kind of an abandoned mansion in the middle of the woods, from my understanding. And that's, oh, that's where they were like... Straight, that's some straight horror movie type stuff. It was. And that's where they believed Slenderman lived. Or their Slenderman lived. I don't know if they thought multiple or whatnot. But like I said before in the last episode, he covers a large geographical area. Uh-huh. But yeah, just creepy house, middle of the woods. That's where they were headed to. Weird. And it was like legitimately abandoned. From my understanding, it was, but I, I'm not 100% sure. I tried looking up the uh, Nicollet Nas- National Forest Mansion, and I didn't find too much. I'm figuring that because it was a national forest that you wouldn't be allowed to live there, right? That was my understanding, but I know like some caretakers still live in like uh, Devil's Lake and everything, but like they have to get special permits and everything. But the house did kind of look decrepit so that's why i thought it was more abandoned so after school on friday anissa told police she and morgan went to anissa's house where they packed a backpack full of clothes granola bars water bottles a picture of her mom father and siblings she didn't want to forget her family looked like after leaving for slender man's mansion in case they were kidnapped Initially, the plan was to stab their friend Peyton Lutner on May 30th during the sleepover at Morgan's house for her birthday. The initial plan detailed that they would duct tape Peyton's mouth, stab her in the neck, and pull the covers over her to make it look like she was sleeping. Their plans, however, changed after the group went skating at Skateland together Friday night before the sleepover. Instead, they decided that they would kill her the next day in the bathroom in the park. They decided to do this because they knew there was a drain in the bathroom for the blood to go. The next morning, Morgan's mom said that they could go and play in David's Park. Again, reminding you that these girls are only 12, so, like, they had a plan, which was gross, and there was a lot of forethought before this. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of just, like, pre-planning. Yeah, premeditated murder, basically. Yeah, boy. Yeah. So... Like I said, the next morning, Morgan's mom said that they could go play in David's Park. Morgan showed Anissa that she had a knife tucked into her waistband, and Anissa told the police that Morgan gave her a wide-eyed look, which she interpreted as the murder was really going to happen. This is based on what she described in police interviews. Eventually, the group ended up in the park bathroom, and Morgan handed Anissa the knife. Morgan tried to restrain the victim, but Morgan had a nervous breakdown, and Anissa had to calm her down. Then Anissa suggested that they go for a walk in a wooded area nearby to play hide-and-seek. So, when they went to go play hide-and-seek, Morgan was the first seeker while Anissa and Peyton hid. While hiding, Anissa told the victim where to hide and instructed her to lie face down in the dirt. Peyton refused to do so, so Anissa pushed her down and then sat on her. Peyton began to yell that she couldn't breathe, so Anissa got off her so that Peyton wouldn't wouldn't attract more attention. Eventually, Morgan arrived and the two bicker on who should stab Peyton. Ultimately, Morgan says to Anissa that she's not going to until you tell me to. At that point, Anissa told her to go ballistic, go crazy. After this exchange, Morgan tackled the victim and started to stab her. The victim screamed and told Morgan, I hate you, I trusted you. Anissa reported that the victim had tried to walk to the street but was stumbling. The girls didn't want anyone to see her, so Anissa grabbed her arm and pulled her away from the street so Peyton fell. Anissa reported that Peyton couldn't breathe, see, or walk. Anissa instructed Peyton to lie down and be quiet because she would lose blood less quickly. Furthermore, they told Peyton that they were going to help her, which they never intended to do. Instead, they hoped that she would die so they could see Slender Man and whether or not he existed. When police asked Anissa if she knew what it meant to kill someone, 
Anissa said, I believe it's ending in life and I regret it. Anissa also said, the bad part of me wanted her to die. The good part of me wanted her to live. This is all from Anissa's statement to the police. Morgan's version of events as told to the police was much shorter. She confirmed the majority of Anissa's telling, but thought that Anissa stabbed Peyton first. She was unaware of how many times she stabbed Peyton and remarked that she did not feel remorse, which she thought was weird, and she admitted that her intent was to kill Peyton and that what she did was probably wrong. Morgan was, just reiterating, Morgan was the one with schizophrenia and Anissa was just the loner. To keep everything kind of succinct. It's weird, like, mentioning that kind of stuff. Because at the moment, in my psychology college classes, I'm in the legal psychology type stuff. Yeah. And basically everything you just said, even though they're juveniles, would essentially take Morgan off of the insanity plea and the, like, incompetent to stand trial pleas. So, like... Her just saying that means that she knew what she was doing was wrong. She did admit it was weird, but, like, she could still be charged fully because of that. Yeah. Like like so, I said, like, their ages are probably their only... Defense. Defense at this point, but... Mm-hmm. What they did in the premeditation that went into it just blows my mind for how young they were. Yeah. So, kind of getting on to their arrest and the rescue of Peyton. So, Peyton worked her way out of the forest and was found by a bicyclist, Greg Steinberg. The biker then called 911 after she reported that she needed help because she had been stabbed multiple times. He did not note any assailants around at the time that she was found. The ambulance then rushed Peyton to the hospital where she received treatment for her 19 stab wounds. Her doctor noted that in the case of one particular wound, if the knife had gone a width of a human hair farther, Peyton would not have lived as it was close to an artery. Peyton returned home after a week in the hospital. She received encouraging notes from thousands and her medical bills were paid fully by crowdfunding. While in the hospital, she was interviewed by police. The investigator reported that it took several days to get her to speak. Eventually, she reported that she was attacked by Morgan and that both girls had stared her down while doing it. A few hours later, Morgan and Anissa were found near I-94 on a ramp and were arrested. Their clothes were covered in blood and a knife was found in Morgan's backpack. Just to clarify, it was a few hours later after Peyton was found that they were arrested. Mm-hmm. It was more just... It- took a while for her to say that they were the ones that attacked me. Yes. Mm-hmm. But being stared down while she said that, did I hear that right? Uh, so they stared her down while attacking her. Oh, okay. That's from my understanding. It was, the verbiage was worded a little bit weird, but from my understanding, she said that they stared her down as they attacked her. Okay. So, like, there was no way it was an accident. Yeah, no way it was an accident. Okay, making that clear. Gotcha. So, you kind of might have noticed that I brought up age a lot, um, and Wisconsin does consider age, but it theirs is a little bit younger than what I would have put it at. So, Wisconsin has a law that anyone 10 years or older charged with first-degree attempted murder is automatically considered an adult. Thus, the case was treated in adult jurisdiction instead of juvenile, but this would be a contested issue, kind of for the reasons that I stated above, like Mm. their maturity and everything. The premeditated part is a strong case for the murder charge. Assault charge is probably what the defense went with, right? We'll kind of get into it, but like my... My thoughts or whatnot, like, obviously they should be maxed out in the juvenile system, reevaluated, rehabilitated, or whatnot. Then they should go to, like, a mental or psych ward until doing so, just because it happened at such a young age. Instead of, like, being put in jail, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. in, all, in all reality, our jail systems do nothing for rehabilitation. And for no. our for these guys being so young, like, 
you're pretty much just guaranteeing that they're going to be criminals for the rest of your life. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't know. My opinion is that being at a certain age, like, that, there should be different circumstances than just first-degree murder jail. But again, different take. But for sure, justice for Peyton. So, in addition to the issue of age, Morgan had been diagnosed with schizophrenia while in custody, officially diagnosed, and was moved to a state mental hospital to receive further treatment for her disorder. In doing so, a forensic psychologist testified in a hearing about Morgan's father's history of schizophrenia, which included being hospitalized four times as a teen. Eventually, he was deemed disabled due to this disorder. Both girls entered a plea of not guilty and were given a $500,000 bail. Motions to reduce the amount of the bail were denied. Although the parents and their counsel advocated for Morgan and Anissa to be tried as juveniles, the judge ruled that they should be tried as adults. This ruling was affirmed by the state's appellate court, citing that if the girls were not tried as adults, then they would be eligible for release at 18 with no further supervision or mental health treatment. So, I agree that they need further supervision and definite mental health treatment after 18, because that's not enough time for what they did and everything. But, Mm -hmm. again, our jail system is effed, so that's kind of... Why my opinion was the way it is. It's just like there's no satisfactory middle ground between the two. Yep. And besides uh, the eligible release at 18 with no further supervision or mental health treatment, the appellate court also noted that the nature of the crime was not impulsive, but it was cold and calculated, like I said premeditated earlier. Both girls were were ruled competent to stay in trial after a, a hearing. Initially, they pled not guilty, but prior to trial, the girls changed their minds. Anissa pled guilty to of being a of being a party to second degree attempted homicide and was found not guilty by a jury due to a mental disease or defect. In the case of Anissa, it was argued and ultimately the jury agreed that she suffered from she suffered from a delusional disorder that prevented her from staying in touch with reality. Morgan accepted a plea deal in which she would not stay in trial and experts would evaluate how long she would need to remain in an institutionalized care. As part of the deal, the judge would find her not guilty by reason of insanity. So Anissa did get the insanity insanity plea but it was through a plea deal okay yeah okay yeah they wouldn't be they wouldn't be able to get that if that was just what they went with from the beginning no it had to be a plea deal okay but the jury did find her not guilty due to a mental disease or defect so i'm not understanding really how that plea deal worked but the jury did rule in rule in on it it had to be the plea deal, otherwise there was no, like, defensible reason for that to be the case. Yeah. And I think that was, like, possibly trying to get that middle ground that would be satisfactory where she would still get rehabilitation that she needed, but also essentially was punished for what she did in a more adequate measure because gotcha. as an adult, the insanity plea, you do actually end up incarcerated much longer with an insanity plea than essentially what you typically would do. Yeah. Which, well, actually, that's a good segue into it because we'll kind of get into it. So Anissa did, you know, do the plea deal for second degree, um, and her sentence ended up being 25 years to life and an intermediate sentence involving at least three years locked in confinement and an involuntary treatment in a state psychiatric institute followed by communal communal supervision until the age of 37 so um again 25 years to life usually that gets reduced in half that's just Mm -hmm. how our system works and it she was in a psychiatric institute and um this is the, you know, girl without the schizophrenia. Yep. And then Morgan, who, you know, did the majority of it, she was given the maximum sentence of 40 years to life and an intermediate sentence involving at least three years locked in confinement 
in addition to involuntary treatment at a state psychiatric institute until the complete resolution of symptoms or until the age of 53, whichever may happen first, followed by continued communal supervision, periodic reevaluations or reinstitution, depending on those reevaluations, and further treatment as needed as required by the sentence imposed. While Gaser will peer periodically have the opportunity to petition for her release from a mental health facility in the future, she will remain under institutional care for the duration of the sentence. During her trial, Gaser had been committed to the Winnebago Mental Health Institute and was the youngest patient there. So, again, this... I I do, after hearing the sentences and everything, I do agree with how the court handled this with, like, the mental institution and getting these yeah. girls helps as opposed to incarceration but like it's it's still incarceration but with a different like with a better rehabilitative focus than if they were just in adult prison yeah so like the intention was there to help them which i found was good but uh also keeping them away from the public as they are potentially dangerous oh yeah 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 but um Kind of getting into some not not the best news. So where are they now? Anissa, at a court hearing in March 10th, 2021, who was then 19, submitted a letter to the court stating that she was sorry and deeply regretful for the agony, pain, and fear that she caused, not just to Lutner, but to my community as well. She stated that I hate my actions May 31st of 2014, but through countless hours of therapy, I no longer hate myself for them. On July 1st of 2021, Waukesha County Judge Michael Boren, Boren ordered Weiser released from the Winnebago Mental Health Institute, gave state officials 60 days to draw up a conditional release plan, plan and required that Weir be assigned to State Department of Health Services case managers to track her progress until she's 37 years old, the length of her commitment. On September 13th of 2021, Weir was released with multiple stipulations to include 24-hour GPS monitoring, requiring her not to leave Waukesha County without permission. Weir also will have to. Uh, Weir will also have her internet usage monitored and will not be allowed to use any forms of social media whatsoever. Weir will also be required to take medication and will be personally escorted to regular counseling sessions by her caseworker. She will also be required to live with her father during this probation period until she is 37. To be honest, I'm kind of in support of what the courts decided here because they are giving her a chance at adulthood. And from what I've learned in my forensic psychology class, which is somehow been really relevant to this podcast so far a lot of the stuff they put in place is a lot of safety nets reassurances and prevention methods from her from possibly being a community menace yeah or yeah switching back to violent tendencies and stuff like that so and i do agree with her internet monitoring and no social media yeah i feel like that's probably going to be like alleviated in the future should things in a pattern go well but for now it's probably best that she doesn't otherwise people are going to be contacting her via these things and possibly inciting setbacks and regressions and bad situations for her yeah so for Morgan, I do have to skip between two articles. So I'm going to read the older one first and then kind of go to the newer one. So in 2020, an appeals court rejected Geyser's petition to be retired as retried as a juvenile. Her attorney, Matthew Picks, argued that she should have been charged with attempted second degree intentional homicide rather than first degree and argued that Geyser gave the same statements to investigator before being read her Miranda rights. So this is like the Miranda rights issue and whatnot. That, if you didn't know, did get uh, overturned by the Supreme Court just recently. Yeah. You no longer have Not to be read overturned, those. overturned. It's more you can't sue if you haven't been read those. It still ca- is cause for a mistrial, but you can't sue the police department. Well, they... Because it's... it. So the way that I understand it, it can't be a cause for a mistrial anymore. There's no motivation for them to read it. That was my understanding of reading that 
can uh, overturn. Well, what I what I learned from that is that they have like the officers themselves have no reason to really read it, but they can still arrest people and do all that stuff, but they can't be sued for not reading these things to them as like a form of misconduct. Yeah. That's what I heard about it. So they can't be personally sued by the person, which would happen if like the case is taken to trial and overturned that like, being hey like hey I didn't read get my Miranda rights read. But there's also now no precedent for them to have them read and that can't be used in a trial. So like they just want cases without their Miranda rights read. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, I, I think the weird part about it is that this wasn't brought up as like a court case. No, it was just kind of overturned in the midst of the Roe v. Wade situation. They, it's like a weird ruling, like there wasn't some sort of like someone versus somebody to like change that law. They kind of overturned like a bunch of stuff after the big one. Um, uh, there, There's quite a few that did. So like honestly, like I just recommend to our listeners, like stay informed with your laws, stay up to date and everything. Um, I'm really bad at explaining them, so be a bit more informed than obviously what I am, but they have snuck quite a few past, especially in the midst of the Roe v. Wade being overturned. Mm-hmm. So for your states in particular, too, like stay up to date and stay in the know just so you're well informed of what's going on because yeah, there are okay. quite a few things that are in the works and like getting in the works to be overturned. It's getting dicey. It, it is. Not saying like, not to get into politics and, like, say our way or one way or the other, but just being informed is really important to know how, like, these laws and these overturnings do affect you. That is pretty important right now. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Anyways, back to this. He petitioned the Supreme Court of Wisconsin to review that ruling. And in early 2021, the Wisconsin Supreme Court did decline to hear the appeal. However, Morgan is now seeking conditional release as of June 2020. The release would allow her to be discharged from the Institute and continue to seek care within the community. Circuit Judge Michael Boren, who committed Geyser for 40 years, agreed to appoint three doctors to examine Geyser over the summer and file reports by the end of August. Another hearing would be scheduled sometime after the reports are submitted. And we will keep you up to date for updates. But I did find something on the web. So I do kind of want to read that back to you. Oh, okay. What's that? Uh, so at, this article is as of June 23rd, 2022. And it says, Man Stabbing Morgan Geyser Seeks Release up, um, Updated. So it goes over the case and everything. So Morgan did petition the court this month for conditional release, and the judge's the judge did say she had doctors, uh, the three doctors appointed will have 20 days to kind of assess her. These doctors will examine Geyser and submit a report to the court, which will then determine if Geyser can be released early and under what conditions. Again, three doctors were appointed, and with the prosecuting selecting one, the defense selecting one, and the court selecting the third. So, uh, you know, just to kind of get an impartial three mm-hmm. doctors. That's pretty standard overall. Because, um, I mean, you want the psychology, like, specialist to be supportive of your side. So both defense and prosecution will have somebody to bring in. And essentially, the court will bring in somebody who is possibly not paid for saying what their personal lawyer that hired them is going to wants them to say yeah just to be as impartial as possible and then uh through so the doctors had to be chosen by as we record today and then they'll have to give their findings to the court by late august and a hearing will be scheduled in early september on whether morgan or can be released or not so that was the latest update as of eight days ago okay so stuff starting to happen with that yeah and other than that um that's kind of where morgan's at she's still institutionalized uh until that happens so 
stuff may be coming, stuff may not be coming, but we'll keep you in the loop. Mm-hmm. So kind of honest, a fair amount of like, even those that know that they have no chance of changing what their sentence is and stuff like that. I don't think this is the case for Morgan, but I am just saying that those that know they have no chance might still make all these appeals and stuff kind of doing that the squeaky wheel gets the grease type situation Mm -hmm. or just to give them some sort of goal yeah i do have to say it did help morgan's case that anessa got released early too at 19 so i'll like this one may be denied her next one may be accepted so like you said the squeaky wheel gets the grease but yeah um Anywho, in the aftermath of the stabbing creepypasta wiki was blocked throughout the Waukesha School District. On the Tuesday following the stabbing, Slenderman creator Eric Knutson said, I am deeply saddened by the tragedy in Wisconsin, and my heart goes out to the family and those affected by the terrible act. And throughout the community, they set up uh, um, a page to help with her Peyton's medical bills, um, the word I'm uh, looking think, for I a donation page that was uh, crowdfunded crowdfunded thank you that that was what I was looking for um so again her medical bills were crowdfunded and uh this was partially helped by members of the creepypasta community held a 24-hour live stream on YouTube June 13th through the 14th of 2014 to help raise additional money for the, the victim and on August 12th of 2014 governor scott walker issued a proclamation declaring wednesday august 13th of 2014 purple hearts for healing day and encouraged the people of wisconsin to wear a purple heart on that day to honor the victim of the stabbing he also praised the strength and determination exhibited by lutner during her recovery the city of madison wisconsin held a one-day bratwurst festival to honor lutner as well on august 29th and several days before the victim returned to school Hot dogs and bratwurst were sold to raise money towards the victim's medical cost, and the event was run by over 250 volunteers who raised over $70,000 for Lutner. So where is she now? She's in college, undisclosed, studying to pursue medicine. In a recent statement, Lutner said, Lutner never wants to ever see or talk to her attackers ever again, calling what her best friend at the time did probably unforgivable. Quote, if she ever like even try to come by me she would go right back to where she was the teenager said her mother added i don't know think i'm comfortable with her being released right now referring to anessa that said lutner would initially thank anessa if she were ever to speak to her friend who tried to murder her just because of what she did i have the life i have now and i really really like and have what i have I didn't have a plan when I was 12, and now I do because of everything that I went through, explained Lutner. So it kind of gave her a purpose because yeah, she's going into medicine. Going into medicine and, like, possibly stuff related to that, but also pretty understandable that it's just, like, the, one of the people that stabbed me is on the street. I don't want to go near them at all. Yeah, so... Mm-hmm. I don't blame her one bit. I wouldn't I wouldn't no. want to even be in the same like area yeah. let alone state as my attacker. However, I am a little saddened by the fact that all of like the essentially the cookout, the live stream on YouTube for the creepypasta stuff, all that stuff just to pay for medical bills. Yeah, which is... The fact that that's needed. I, I'm sorry, the United States healthcare system is just messed up, too. It's it's not good. People will be having a heart attack and drive themselves to the emergency room so they don't have to pay for an ambulance. Yeah. It's, it needs work, people. It needs work. It does. And, like, okay, I'm sorry, but I saw this thing online that said... People that think ambulances are healthcare taxis are nuts. And I'm like, that's what they're there for. That's literally their purpose is to make sure you don't die on the way to the hospital. Mm-hmm. I. That's, that's what they are. Yeah. But, yeah, just the amount of expenses is insanity. But, anywho, 
we have actually a second murder that I've never heard of up until this research. And it occurred kind of in a similar timeline as the first one. Oh, really? Yeah. So this happened in June of 2014 in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, it So a lot of this case was undisclosed because it was a mom who was unidentified and her daughter who was also unidentified. I assume because of ages and whatnot, they kept the names redacted. So what had happened is she had her hoods up and had her hands covered with her sleeves and the mask uh, the mother had said, referring to her daughter. She said her 13-year-old daughter was obsessed with the fictional character Slenderman. She was something else during this attack, the mother said. Her daughter allegedly attacked her with a knife in the kitchen of their home. The daughter is in Hamilton County Juvenile Detention Center after this event. The mother said that the daughter had a mental health issue, but that she never imagined anything like this would happen. I came home one night from work, and she was in the kitchen waiting for me, and was wearing a mask, a white mask. The mother said that her daughter's writings and drawings have always been dark. They reference demons being insane and falling into darkness. She mentioned playing a role, and I got the feeling she was playing a role. I didn't feel like her at all. It didn't feel like her at all. The mother said that after hearing about the two 12-year-old Wisconsin girls allegedly stabbing their friend to police Slenderman, she thinks that her daughter was under the same influence. We found things that she had written, and she had made reference to Slenderman. She also made references to killing, the mother said. She even created a world for Slenderman in the game of Minecraft. Slenderman's stories often feature him stalking or traumatizing people. We do have to police what they do and what they read. The girl is facing charges as a juvenile, however, and her family has not allowed to discuss the case with her, but the mother said that she told other people that she doesn't remember actually doing the attack. Her mother was treated for minor injuries in the attack, including cuts on the neck and face and a puncture wound on her back. As she was tried as a juvenile, in contrast to our first case, the information regarding her sentencing and further details not disclosed, which is part of the reasons the parents of the first case sought this sort of protection for Anissa and Morgan. There are other crimes that are attributed to Slenderman, most of which involve minors, which makes for information difficult to contain, but these are kind of the two highest um, popular cases. Mm -hmm. Because, like, essentially, once, if it's tried in the juvenile case, then once they turn 18, everything on their previous record is essentially... Wiped. Wiped off. Yep. Says they're to be treated as though... None of that has happened, and now they're doing a fresh start as an adult. Yeah. So kind of pulling Slender Man to a slight close, um, I kind of wanted to discuss this book from University of Georgia Media Studies professor Shira Chess co-wrote the book Slender Man Significant on Internet Folklore. He states, we've always been told scary stories to convey our neurosis about the Zetas of the moment. The scary stories that stick, the ones that matter, the ones that mean something, are the ones that really tap into our cultural anxieties. Slenderman is no different from vampires or werewolves, a mythic monster who speaks something universally haunting, or what a Jungian psychologist called the collective unconscious. On the other side, folklore can almost be seen as an agent form of memes, transforming with every retelling to fit the community and what needs that story to represent. So I kind of like the meme suggestion. Um, it's more relevant to today. But... Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about this because we're not doing a part three about this, are we? No, we aren't. Today's episode will be a little bit longer, but we're, we aren't doing a part three. Is there more that we need to discuss? or? There is a little bit if you want to hold your thoughts for about five five minutes and then okay. we can discuss discuss because i have some things i want to pick your brain about about this whole slender man thing so yes okay. hold your thoughts just for a little bit longer so slender man as we kind of discussed before remains a manifestation of a generation that feels forgotten unheard uncertain and consumed by something both horrifying yet seductive a lot of our cultural anxieties and forms that we see on a daily basis some of the internet legends reality comes from the age-old mainstays of horror like his facelessness for example which chess says lets readers and writers impose whatever anxieties or desires they have onto him 
He also draws strong parallels between Slender's characteristics and three other specific phenomenons that shook online culture around the same time. So this kind of goes into the real world horror of the 2008 housing marketing crash that happened only one year before Slenderman's inception. Suddenly, young people are faced with the economic instability of their futures. Again, this was kind of when we came out that our generation is the first generation not to succeed beyond their parents. So there is a lot of anxieties dealing for our generation to come up with during this time. Mm-hmm. Um, this, you know, displayed a lot of uh, distrust in the government, technology, as well as um, just kind of norms to like get into horror and uh, calm our anxieties too. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the thing I was going to pick your brain about too. We're getting there. Yeah. I mean, this guy's no, I mean, art. Like this, this topic is specifically what I was thinking to pick your brain about. Oh, nice. Well, I mean, I guess you guys think alike then. But, um, so another thing with the facelessness of Slender Man, um, his face or lack thereof m- mimics the early images of the group known as Anonymous. The masked hacktivist group gained notoriety around the same time as Slenderman, positioning itself as a champion and fighting back against corrupt and greedy capitalist systems and trying to infringe on our privacy and freedoms online. So I, I remember. They're still doing stuff, by the way. They are. They had a lot of videos out, at least around the election time, and then I'm just waiting for their new ones to come out because I feel like... I don't think they have much videos, but apparently they've been... Quite involved with a lot of, like, retaliation against Russia stuff. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Well, like, you know, occasionally they post a video just to, like, let the people know of kind of what's been going on and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, The WikiLeaks stuff. And, like, they just bounced off of that and went nuts with it. Yeah. But, like, yeah, yeah. Anywho, um... They then kind of took up the V for Vendetta masks, too. Yeah, I think they're called the Guy Fox masks or something like that. But, yeah, it's all inspired essentially from that movie. It's just like they are supposed to represent the force of the people and stuff like that. I think that's what it is. Yeah. So just kind of some summing up between that, like, you know, there's just a general distrust of men in suits and like the government that he kind of goes into, um, as well as he gets into kind of the moral question of like, does Internet and video games cause our kids to kill? Um, as well as, you know, a couple other uh, things like creepypasta and having this such a widely available topic for everyone. Which I hope... Everyone has been caught up to date on that whole thing because it's, it's been disproven as much as the vaccines cause autism argument that video games don't cause violence. They're just... Correlated. Not so, even correlated. Yeah. It's like there's not even a correlation with it. It's just like they see that a violent person has video games, so clearly video games cause it. Well, so did... The 90% of other people that didn't do the violent stuff. Yeah. So it's not even correlated. It's more of just like video games is a thing for people to do. It'd be like seeing a person has books in their house and they committed a murder. So clearly reading causes murders. That's basically what how related it is. And yeah. like, yes, there's violent video games and stuff like that, but... To say that that causes violence, we're in technically the most peaceful, it doesn't feel like it. No. But it's the most peaceful time in human history. I, I disagree, but. No, but numbers specifically, we are in the most peaceful time in history where majority of humanity has not seen violence or death being caused in a violent fashion against somebody i mean there's that was a common occurrence until like the 1800s there's still a lot of wars out east too whether or not there's a lot of wars but it's not everywhere there's spots but it's not like 
I'm worried that my family is not going to survive because raiders are going to come kill everybody. That's not a worry anymore. That I don't think that was a worry for... Oh, you're talking, like, in a general, like, hundreds of years, like, insert, not, not not like, decades. Yeah. Decade lately. I'm thinking, like, millennia. Gotcha. Okay, so... There were not video games during the Crusades, yet they were one of the most violent periods of human history. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, I was not picking up what you were putting down, but now I understand. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Video games are equally, like, for everyone, including possibly violent people. But they don't cause violence. Yeah. So, just to kind of finish what he sums up, um, so besides, like, all the distrust of the government and, like, kind of the crises that we went through as a generation growing up and the multiple, like, once-in-a-lifetime events that we've now had several of, there's kind of a distrust of, you know, everything. And it's not kind of hard to see why Slenderman was created to prey on the innocence of children and promise them, like, a world of, like, better stuff to only kidnap them and, you know, take them somewhere else instead of the world we live in today. So that's kind of how he en- uh, how he ends it. it um, he, you know, steals them away and promises a world of wonders that are mere mortals cannot understand or compete with. All, all this to kind of say Slenderman isn't new. Um, like, we talked about the DeGroben last week and other stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just his need and how he was kind of created online is. Yes. His, his formation and fruition is a new, new thing, but being a monster is strictly just, like, metaphor for problems of the time. Yeah. Which, yeah, I was going to, like, make... One of the things I was going to pick your brain about would be, like, there's certain metaphors, like, each monster, like, famous monster kind of represents. Where it's essentially just, like, nighttime seduction, sucking the blood out of the land and of the people. That's a vampire. Mm -hmm. Which is essentially a metaphor for the aristocracy. Yeah. Slenderman is essentially anonymous big corporation stuff with the suit, the tendrils going in all different directions. Just in company, seeing everyone and everything and, and children. And one thing I don't think you mentioned, but the fact of him being like essentially a very tall, thin, imposing figure is like a a not overtly threatening, but still authoritarian kind of thing like that whole like camera angle that they do in movies to show somebody has authority they will put the camera lower than the person's head so they are literally looking down at the camera to show authority which is where slender man being tall is just like he has power and authority I agree with you on the aspect of when it comes to adults and, like, older people. Like, he looks like he has authority, where to children, he's just, you know, some guy. Yeah, it's more of, like, the subconscious associations for all that stuff. Yeah, so he's not as threatening to kids, which is why, like, he makes the promises Mm -hmm. and, like, can kidnap them. But to adults and, I guess, older gents, he is. But, like, because to kids, almost everybody they interact with. Is taller. Direct friends is taller. Yeah. It's less threatening because more things are like that. Where, as an adult, there isn't as many things that are like that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's fun doing, like, (sighs) somebody else kind of, like, already did the monster analysis of what is Slenderman a metaphor for. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm-hmm. That would be a fun thing to do. Yeah. Oh, um, I saw this uh, thing on TikTok, and I can't remember the creator. I don't even think I follow them. But their doctorate was based on the stereotypes of D&D characters. Or or the metaphors for D&D characters. Like the classes, the races, or the monsters. Do you know? I don't know specifics. But... like, 
the classes is probably the more one they could focus on where the races gets kind of weird or I guess technically the term now is the lineages because yeah gotcha they want to get away from the term races it was trending on TikTok um, mm -hmm. so like if you just do D&D &D anal doctoral analysis you should find it but mm -hmm. um, yeah no that just kind of reminded me of it like the analysis mm -hmm. of Slenderman analysis of D&D &D. yeah yeah, um, so if we have more to discuss, let's discuss. Otherwise, I will end it with one last creepypasta of Slenderman. Okay, that the metaphor thing was what I wanted to discuss and what you thought it could have been, but you had all the information right in front of you, so it's kind of pointless to ask that. <laughs> kind of cheated a little bit, but yeah. yeah, a little bit, yeah. Just a little, it's fine. What? Whatever, you know. Apparently, me and our researcher have a, our thought structure is in common. Yeah. Um, so let's get on to the last creepypasta that I'll end this podcast with. So it's called Don't Visit Haunted Cem Cemeteries at Night. Just don't. Redditor already awesome. Oh, boy. This is not only going to be a Slenderman thing, but it's in a cemetery. Telepiata, it is a little bit shorter. Okay, well, sometimes the shorter ones are even more scary because it gets all existential super quick because of the stuff that's not answered. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, anyways, I'll just dig right into it because I don't think it'll be better for you. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. So it's 6 a.m. where I live, and I'm absolutely terrified. I've been up the whole morning, and just now as I'm seeing a few albit weak rays of sunlight, I'm staring to, starting to feel more comfortable in my house. I need to start off by saying that there has been a stalker walking around my house for a while now. I know why I couldn't take... I don't know why I just couldn't take my gun and threaten him and force him off my property. Well, I kind of do. He isn't human. Yes. Yes, he is not human. I'll tell you how it started and get you up to date on what's going on now. Me and my friends almost a week ago were hanging out. We actually met up at Taco Bell to talk about what's been up and seeing how the day goes. We eventually decided to watch a movie and we did so. But still, we're going to stay awake all night and party or adequate, do something, sleep maybe. I can barely stay up that long. Despite these discrepancies in our plans for the night, we ended up doing something ridiculous anyway and what I now seriously regret doing. We ended up going to the Haunted Cemetery. This cemetery is really old, and getting there around 1am in the morning makes it very, very scary. At first, we were all a bit hyped, and it was just like the nerves getting us. It was the atmosphere as well, the feeling of danger. Of course, in my mentally tired state, I couldn't really manage to deduce what it was and really actually thought the first was the former. We messed around, to say the least, and we soon got bored. It was to the point where we decided to hold a contest. We'd break out a lantern in the middle of the cemetery, and each of us would break out in different sides of the cemetery by ourselves. Whoever could stand out in the pitch blackness the longest would be the winner. Very smart, right? So we ended up doing that, and I ended up walking towards the rear of the cemetery while my two other friends walked towards the sides. We were all expecting to be creeped out and then running back, but it didn't really end up happening that way. We all had nerves to steal, and we just stood there. I was standing out there for maybe five minutes when all of a sudden I hear a rustling in the woods behind me. I tense, wondering who it was, and I was betting it was one of my friends. Them trying to make me change, er, them trying to make me shit my pants too, but no. I peer over the gate beyond the cemetery, and this figure rises. A black outline, tall and thin. Very much what you would say Slender Man would look like, but instead of a suit, I guess I don't know how to really explain it, his skin was moving, like tendrils. Rippling, in fact. Maybe something like you'd see out of a movie, or kind of similar to moving water. Instead of a blank face, however, he had my own. That's when I freaked out and ran. I screamed and ran towards the entrance. 
I jumped into my car, locked the doors, and started it. As soon as I looked outside my the car one final time and not seeing the figure, but I see that my friends had already left. We all drove our own cars, and mine was the only one left in the parking lot. I raced back to town, always checking my rearview mirror for the figure. At this point, I would stay inside a store or something, but I don't live near any 24-hour stores, so I had to go directly home. If I was smart, I knew going home would have been a bad idea, but it was my only option. I sure as hell didn't want to get stuck where I didn't have a gun with me. I woke up the next day tired and tried to reach my friends. I asked them what had happened last night. They said that the man who was the guard at the cemetery was telling them to get the hell out. I honestly don't know what the hell that means, but whatever. I'm just more confused than ever. Now we get back to where we were. I've been waking up frequently in the middle of the night, around 1am to 2am, looking out the window, to see the same figure standing outside. His shifting skin, changing colors, his face now an absolute black void in space, and sometimes I can see it chuckling, entertained by my fear. He doesn't do much, however. He just stands. And after 6 a.m. in the morning, he disappears and either walks or fades away. I know it's some sort of supernatural entity. I don't know exactly, but I'm afraid with messing with this any farther. One thing is for certain, though. I'm going to try to talk to that guard at the cemetery. Maybe he knows something about this. And that's it. I, you know, maybe he does know about this. Maybe he's just like, oh, that's just Gary from down the block. He's a little strange. And it's nothing to be worried about at all. But it's a tall, slender man whose face changes. The face changing was the first I have ever heard about Slender Man's face changing. Well, so does Jim Carrey's. So, really, <laughs> how strange could that be? I'm making excuses, and I'm sticking with them, Audie, okay? I'm yeah. I'm sticking with them. I'm, I'm but it knew where he lived even after he drove off, and he just stands under his window. That's creepy. Well, you know, maybe he used to work for the DMV. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so, I guess with that, that kind of brings Slender Man to a close. Good. Good, I, good. I know you're happy. No. I am not. Happy that we can go back to the normal stuff. A little less what scary. normal stuff? It, it's, Slender Man was a comfort in ways that it was just like nostalgia at least. And I got some like, okay, this is like this. I'm not scared of that anymore. It's just <laughs> creepy to think about. And now we're going to go to the unknown stuff. And there's no greater fear than the fear of the unknown, Audie. <laughs> yeah. So, so really, yes. How relaxing going yeah. to new topics. <laughs> Which oh, Curran will now pick uh, after uh, this week. So, again, I wanted to give a huge shout-out to her. She did an amazing job with the Slender Man research for all these oh, episodes. Sure. I didn't know a fair chunk of that, and I thought I was not exactly an expert, but a well educated slender man aficionado type person yeah i do have to say it was a lot of fun getting back to the nostalgia of like creepypasta forming and all that with you too yeah there is some interesting stories that i remember first reading off of that because it showed up you're just like what is this creepypasta thing yeah people keep mentioning well look at it and just like oh well i think on our patreon page or one of our early episodes Earlier episodes, we read the Russian sleep experiment. Oh, yeah. That was a creepypasta for sure. That one was the most memorable one to me. Yeah. But I think I think we did that in an earlier episode. Oh, yeah. Or, 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 or sure. Patreon. But, yeah. Something. But, oh, my God. I feel like I should probably do a reading of The Rake at some point. <laughs> you totally could. Another one of them classic stories of the creepypasta. Like, there was Slender Man, the Russian Sleep Experiment, and the Rake were, like, the three big popular ones when I was aware of creepypasta. Yeah. But. Oh, boy. Topics for another day. Oh, yes. So, yes. as we wrap this episode to a close, I just want to say thank you guys for listening and sticking with us. We really appreciate it. 
If you want to check out our merch at violinvice.bitcartel.com, that's B-I-L-L-E-A-N-D-V-I-C-E, we'd really, really appreciate it. We should have pens up, and we got shirts, sweatshirts, stickers, and more. So uh, we'd appreciate it if you guys took a look at that and all that jazz. And also check out our Patreon page and John John's Cryptic Corner because we have now a couple episodes out for that. And again, it's just $1 a month to be able to listen to our bonus content and we appreciate it because you know it takes a lot that goes into these episodes but it's free at least on here for you guys to watch and then patreon we get a little something out of it which is nice yeah and i mean if you do buy some of the merch take some pictures with it post it on our facebook page it'll be cool i i kind of want to see how they look with other stuff and with your other accoutrement and stuff. I don't even know what that, that means. Do you know what that means? I just kind of associated that with knickknacks. I I associated it with decor. So, I mean, I, I assume okay. it's somewhere in there. Somewhere around there. <laughs> See how it meshes with your vibe. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Violent Vice Podcast. Cover art is by Colton Griffith. Music by Annabelle Rayback. And research done by Corinne Drybelvis. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Violent Vice Podcast or on Twitter at Violent Vice. That's V-I-L-E-A-N-D-V-I-C-E. No ampersands here. If you want to help support the show, please do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash Vice. Or give us a once-off donation on PayPal with our email, violinvice at gmail.com. Again, that's V-I-L-E-A-N-D-V-I-C-E. To keep the spooky stories coming. Thank you.